you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about a movie that I definitely remember discussing on the Reddit Horror Club. I don't remember if Scott was a co-host at that time or not. not. I watched it for it, but I was not a co-host yet. And Kyle, you picked this one, and I gotta say, I forgot how much this movie goes from zero to zero yeah. to zero <laughs> to zero to a thousand <laughs> like, yeah do yes. you really you think that it I goes did... to a thousand because i think that it gets to a solid 60 yeah <laughs> <laughs> but man the the build to get to that 60 yeah. is you are just a stalled out car for like an hour and five minutes <laughs> it's it's <laughs> i for i did i forgot the i forgot the beats of this movie and i went back onto my letterbox when i logged it and i was like oh i haven't it's because i haven't watched it since 2015 um okay but what spawned it for me was i i was i was looking back through my bookshelf and uh, I had saw that I kept the Sentinel, uh, a copy of it that I had read on the train while I was um, when I was working at Jump Cut Cafe. I was it was my train book when I wasn't actively falling asleep um, yeah. on public transit. It's a it's a fine it's a finely written book. I mean it's it is a, like the same way that we can really kind of categorize seventies horror cinema. There is a style of seventies horror book oh, yeah. that exists, and it seems like the author was not happy with this movie. He adaptation was for the most part. Yeah, case. which is um, I guess I would say is maybe valid. I think that like <laughs> a lot of times it's it feels like those seventies horror ones. This 
feels like a last hurrah of gothic horror in a lot of ways, like where it's like still this, there is a, there is Satan and the devil involved. And by the time that any filmmakers in the mid seventies were doing it, it was pretty like, it was because it was almost a joke. Like, you know, having it was, I mean, you try to make it as serious as you can. This isn't, uh, well, there's some funny bits. I mean, there's a well, birthday no, party they, they for a de- cat, but I don't think that. So the interesting thing about this movie was that they, a lot of critics thought that it was a pastiche when it mm. came out, and mm. I don't think that it was made as. A, I don't think that Michael Skinner was going for pastiche when he did. No, this. well, so like that's the thing that. Here's the thing. This is not a movie that I will probably ever just like casually sit down and watch ever again. But it's like a movie that I'm glad that I own. It's a movie that I'm glad that I'm glad that I've seen because like I don't think that there's a lot of movies that exist like this movie. Like this no. is a very strange movie in the sense of if if you told me this was an Italian film, absolutely. But the fact that this is like right. a major American studio production Dude, is weird. With- with like a it's crazy cast, yeah. With a cre- cast. with a with a stacked yeah. cast, and as much as people will be like, "Oh, it's pulling elements from like Rosemary's Baby or or Exorcist," this is so much more insane than either one of those movies yeah. in like what they do in it. Like it's yeah. like I think the first time I watched it for Reddit Horror Club, I'm pretty sure that I thought that it was like an Italian made movie that just had a bunch of American actors throughout it because like right. it's got, it's definitely got like the Italian, the seventies Italian dubbing problem throughout large chunks of it. But like also just like the way that the violence is shot and like the twists and turns yeah. just feel like more of what I'm used to from like seventies Italy than anything that an American, a major American studio was producing. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's true. It has it has these beats and these notes and these uh, scenes specifically that are just that are just bonkers. Uh, the movie is also like, a lot of tell a... instead of showing us. Like every yes. character, yeah. every character's anything is so heavy handedly explained to us. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And, and but you know, for the for the. I guess it's not the twist because it really does happen kind of early on, but for this more unexpected uh, reason that we're meeting all these characters, it, I it comes up pretty quick in the movie. It, yeah, it comes up like halfway, and it not com- even in like a climactic way. It's, yeah, it's just the- it's very it's just kind of like told to this person, and then we just have to be like, oh, so even- now we as audiences have to like reestablish why we're watching this yeah. at all. Well, and then like, okay, so so I'm going to make a reference to an actor who in my brain didn't even exist in the 70s. So it's crazy that he's the lead in this movie. But Chris Sarandon Chris Sar- and yeah. and that young Christopher Walken is yeah. so weird. I mean, like this or the dubbed Jeff nuts. Goldblum. <laughs> yeah, Goldblum was like, I, I believe that all of his lines were 80 yard. We're all, all of them. Yeah, I don't think that he even had one line of actual dialogue. I mean, almost movie. all of his scenes are outside. So that also makes sense. Chris Sarandon's character like. The big reveal that he killed his wife is just told to us at the end of the movie while a million other crazy things are already happening and it suddenly it's is like the least irrelevant. important. Yeah. It's, it's like the compl- least important thing that's happening at that point is just like cuz I killed I hired so and so to kill my wife and it's like you realize that like there's like the devil here right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actively, <laughs> Burgess actively. Meredith, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Burgess um, Meredith is what makes this movie watchable in all honesty. Yeah, no. He he's, is he's such so a good. delight in any yeah. like 
I strongly recommend if you're ever like interested in watching old Twilight Zone episodes, look for literally any episode that Burgess Meredith was in. Like everyone knows the time enough at last one. That's like the mm-hmm. classic one that he did. But he was in like I think he was in one episode every season and he's just he's such a talented actor. Mm-hmm. Like he can do anything. Like he does the drama great, but he obviously you've seen him play penguin in Batman. Like he can do absurd and wacky characters so sincerely that you buy into it and it's like I buy into this weird ass dude with his bird and his cat parties and shit. Dude, like he's iconic. Yeah. I want to be him. I if I was a, a a lonely old bachelor, I would move to New York City where tweed suits have a canary or a parakeet rather and a and a cat that I have birthday parties for. That was that's how I'd live out the rest of my life. And I just spend five hundred dollars a month on a basically a house to rent. <laughs> like that apartment was the size of a, an actual home. Yeah, uh, I, I was looking. At, I was so jealous of how tall the ceilings. Those are like twelve foot ceilings. It's insane. insane ceilings. Five hundred dollars a month in New York. I don't know where, but it was it's uh, definitely rent controlled, guys. Sorry. <laughs> See, it's funny, Scott. You use the word iconic to describe Burgess Meredith, and iconic showed up in my notes as well, but for a completely different thing, which was her cutting off her dad's zombie nose, and it's that close up, <laughs> like like probably one of the best moments in the whole movie the start of this movie by the way the first i i had to check the time the first eight minutes of this movie feels like 30 minutes of plot development because you, yeah. you see her Everything. dad having a threesome and then she commits suicide what that's not how you celebrate your birthday <laughs> I, I loved the uh the larger woman of the two yeah. who's like i love watching my boyfriend's daughter have a breakdown i'm just gonna eat some cake naked yeah. just eat cake just yeah. eating cake yeah man. yeah, yeah. It's, no, that it was it the surrealness of it which i guess that's the word i would use for it was so bl- bland like it was like there was yeah. that, there was well, that, which Chris i loved i love sleepwalks that. through this whole fucking movie so when yeah. he's doing his his, his confession uh, yeah. after he's been murdered i'm just like man so the interesting thing about this was that um, Michael Skinner, in later uh, interviews, was very unhappy. No one had a good time making this. Movie. No, I. Uh, so man. you're gonna make a lot of references, Scott, to things that happened on the Blu-ray commentary track, and ah. I have, I have listened to this commentary <laughs> track before, and it is. If you are someone who only casually listens to commentary tracks, the the Sentinel is a good one because, man. It is like no holds barred. Just them being like, "Well, this was garbage. This sucked. This wasn't great. This actor oh, can't act." Man. Like he like does not care anymore. Yeah, He's just yeah. airing grievances for ninety minutes on this commentary. Well, track. he did not want um, Chris Sarandon or nope. the what, Catherine or whatever her name is to play the main character. He wanted Beverly D'Angelo and um, Christopher Walken. I think Christopher Walken as the leads, which is crazy to me because I believe and that think the, of where they ended up. Yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny because this was Beverly G'Angelo's film debut. debut, masturbating in front of the main character, um, which, I mean, she did a great job. I mean, I'm not I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying, like, how fucked is it if that would have been her only film credit? You know, if she would have been like, right. yeah, th- this this turned me off of uh, doing, doing my her. art, you know? And then Christopher Walken, I don't even know if he has a line in this movie. He just plays a sleazy detective. Yeah. 
I don't so, think he does. I actually, I'm not sure. I he see ha- him I, like harumph in the background. That's I, all I, I think remember. he's in two scenes, yeah. one with maybe a couple lines of dialogue. I mean, really literally, wild. Tom Berenger has more dialogue, and yeah. he doesn't and even he's in have the a last name. Scene. <laughs> yeah, he's, also, he's did you guys man catch Richard at Dreyfus? end is his credited character? Yeah. Did you catch Richard Dreyfus? He's got some sort of uncredited cameo somewhere not, near the end, and I, I don't know who it. it was. Did not no. catch it. Um, other other names that people might know that popped up in this movie: Ava uh, Gardner, Ava, Gar- Ava, Ava fucking Gardner, Ava Gardner. <laughs> but also, I love that. Did you did you hear that Michael Skinner cast her because he said that he was going around New York City and every realtor looked like her? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, I also got to give a shout out. Small role that he plays, but William Hickey shows up, and like mm-hmm. that dude. This is the first time I've been like, oh, he wasn't always an old man. Like, like right. I, right. I only know him for looking about a thousand every time yeah. that I see him in something. Boy, John yeah. Carradine looks a thousand in everything I've ever seen. <laughs> that, is, that is right. True. Sylvia Miles is in here, and then like, I mean, I was watching those credits, and obviously, I know Jeff Goldblum wasn't a person every, like yet. then, but he wasn't watch a person. Those, yeah. He wasn't a person. I mean, he didn't have a voice. They ADR'd the whole thing. Um, but like to watch those credits roll and roll. And roll yeah. and roll and just to see him like I swear it was like third to last on those credits. I was just like, what a time! It is what? funny that this movie and this is like you know they always throw these types of factoids on IMDb and shit anyway. But that him and Christopher Walken have barely nothing to do in this movie, and the same year they had barely anything to do in Annie Hall as well. Like they yeah, just are people like, at oh, party scenes. Yeah, yeah like, come on, right. Right, right. You, that's a New York thing, right? Yeah, it's got, <laughs> yeah I guess I was, that, I was I, there. Yeah, it's <laughs> literally just, hey, it's New York, like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I guess everything kind of. I'm looking at his IMDb credits, and I guess things really probably turned around the next year, because the next year was the 1978 invasion of the Body Snatchers, where like he's a pretty high-ranking character in that movie throughout it i think and then you get like the big chill the right stuff buckaroo mm-hmm, bonsai yeah. obviously uh, such a huge movie i mean massive and then yeah the fly, <laughs> the fly. then you get into like the late 80s where it's like oh jeff goldblum yes i, yeah. I know and, and literally is. everything and then you get to the <laughs> 90s where he becomes a caricature of himself and then he somehow reinvents himself as a pastiche of himself it's incredible it's really incredible his show, that show that he does t- on disney plus i was gonna say like, the show he does on disney plus watching this man be fascinated by the simplest of things <laughs> is so so, so wholesome to me yeah yeah <laughs> I think there was an episode realize? just about how shoes get made and like and he's just like what, what I, is I mean happening? he's he's more he's eating more doritos than i am yeah. <laughs> oh, like, that I dude he's is. microdosing acid my friend yeah. i don't think he's that it's doritos be. he's got to be um but but two things one this is actually a direct relation to your last fucking pick which was or was that two ago when you picked party line wasn't there a rela- uh, a comment about paradise lost in that yeah. I, yep. Yeah. So the Latin words written down by Allison were tibi sortu cursus tum vigilia que sereva munis, which are supposed to be from John Milton's Paradise Lost, but apparently the literal translation is watching your office and running, which is just. <laughs> I don't even know how they. I, I don't know if that's how they real get or not. to that point. I don't even care. That just sounds like they ran it through Google Translate six times, and it's <laughs> back and forth six times. And um, I just I thought that it was incredible that 
Paradise Lost came up again. Again. That and and Scott, I need to correct you. Party Line wasn't the last thing that Kyle watched because of a oh. clerical error. It was actually Dead Dead Ringers That's right. just a mere two uh, weeks after we discussed yeah. Party Line. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, and actually, man. hold on a second. Wait. Is there any thematic elements in this one? No, we're good. We were in the clear on Kyle's choices. Okay, no, I, I just want to say there's a I lot forgot. of silk negligee, negligee in this that was also <laughs> a lot of silk negligee worn by both brother and sister yes, in that's true. Party Line. In Party Line. Yes. <laughs> true. But that's all right. That's, that's all, right. all right. Pills and wine. Also, that's the classic dinner of classic the combo. female <laughs> protagonists in both this and Party Line. So this movie was controversial. Though when it came out, did it have um, to get cut, like edited down or something? Well, I, I well I did read that there was an edited version that makes zero sense because they cut that out was for all TV, of TV though, right? Yeah, the TV version has no gore, no nudity, yeah. and like all oh, no references the to the devil. The, is the so, TV so, version on the Blu-ray? Do you know? I don't know. I don't <laughs> believe so. It's probably lost. But no, the controversy. Something that was also controversial in 1932 was the fact that like. Mike Skinner hired actual 1932 guys. I just have you'll to understand us. what I'm talking it's, about. In it's a second. Michael. It's Michael Winner. Sorry, Michael Winner. Yeah. What did I say, Skinner? Skinner? I kept saying Skinner. <laughs> There's a race car driver named Mike Skinner that I was like, oh wow, that's the same. Yeah, name. What are the chances? I, hey Matt, can you retroactively go nope, back and ADR me to sound like I'm all, saying the right that's thing? That's all. The whole time? Sorry. Yeah, I definitely Michael, wrote it down as Michael Winner, but I don't know. I was thinking about that horrible okay. movie Skinner. Yeah. That's yeah, that's why yeah. because it's so schlock it, and cow pick it, schlock. It's valid how we got here. I just yeah. wanted to. I just wanted to. <laughs> Thank you for justice for Michael Winner. Uh, so Michael Winner um, got a lot of negative press for the choice of actually hiring like people from an oddity oh, show. Yes, in this mm-hmm. similar to the the issues oh. that Todd Browning had in 1932 yeah. when he cast real life sideshow freaks for the movie Freaks. Freaks, yeah. Um, and and I don't like I I don't. No, if that's a good like I don't know I feel like that's one of those weird topics where I'm like I don't I mean they're you don't have to have an paid. opinion about everything you know no but I mean like I I'm like is that truly controversial like I I don't know I feel like if it's exploitative like the problem with freaks was like motherfucker just didn't pay these people that much to yeah, be in the movie yeah. Freaks. Well, and I know <laughs> like, that that Michael Winner um, was, he tried very hard, at least based on his assumption, assertions, was that he tried very hard to to um, pay them, feed them. You know, they are only on set for like two days or something like that, or yeah. one day. I think it might have actually been one day. Um, I did read a blurb that said that he was going, that um he didn't want them to feel left out, and so he was going to eat lunch with them in a because, like, I guess that the 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 actors' unions made them have a separate tent, not because they were um, sideshow people, but rather because they were sideshow people, and they weren't in the actors' union; they were mostly from like carnivals, yeah. and so they had to be in a separate tent for their lunch that day right. when they were on set or whatever two days they were on set, and he was going to go eat lunch with them but apparently it was quote unquote too hot that day so yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> retroactive like <laughs> it's like he almost did a good thing he almost did a good thing yeah. so, but, but it's too hot I can't but the, the thing is that I love the fact that Jeffrey Convitz the guy who wrote The Sentinel and then he wrote The Guardian which yes. was the sequel and then I I don't know if he was going to going to or actually did write a third book in this series, but there was supposedly going to be a third book that was talking about how there are many galaxies in in like all these realities and hell and Satan can get to all of them. But 
the Sentinel needs to be on Earth. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what happens there. It's in the Blu-ray commentary. <laughs> but Jeffrey Convitz was unhappy specifically with that final scene when all of the sideshow, um, the oddities people show up because it's supposed to be their minions of hell, their demons mm -hmm. in the flesh. They, it, he hated the way that Michael Winner lit the scene. He said that they should have been all in shadows, which actually makes a lot more sense. I think that makes that more sense. And that would have been less yeah. exploitative, right? Yeah. Completely, because I think that that's the, that's the problem is like, yeah, I mean, like these actors, I mean, they're sideshow actors. Like, yeah. they, they'll get paid and they'll do the performance and it's like, that's kind of like the gig, right? It's like, and you they got, got paid to just stand around and shuffle a little you're bit. I mean, it's get a good hired gig. because you have a third arm, you know? Yeah. Like, that's so wait, like, hold on a second. I want to point out something. This is ridiculous. I'm sorry. I just stumbled into this. So the author who wrote this, Con convicts, convicts, yep. convicts. So he convict music. So he gets <laughs> convict music. No, so he gets credit for writing a couple screenplays, specifically the Sentinel and um, Silent Night, Bloody Night were were his compositions. Then he goes on to be a film producer, and I just want to read the films that this man has produced. I was hoping you would. Cyborg <laughs> Two, Bloodsport Two, Spy Hard, starring Leslie Nielsen. Also starring Leslie Nielsen, 2001 A Space Travesty, um, something called O Jerusalem, and something called The Flock, which I imagine are probably both like Christian whatever, and then Under the Silver Lake from 2018. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. That one, that one surprised the hell out of me. Like, I was like, how? Why? <laughs> like nothing... Nothing makes sense. But now. then when you go to that, then when you go to that Wikipedia, he's not listed in the producers at all. No. So it's like, oh, okay, so a million people helped on that. Yeah, one. Like, and he gave five bucks. And right. Yeah. He's like, oh, I he like it. Follows enough. Here's Indiegogo. some money. Yeah. 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 And they gave him a, a t-shirt because he spent. Yeah, because he paid fifty bucks for the t-shirt. Okay. Apparently, the flock is not a Christian movie, like I thought. It is an American thriller film. Uh, from the co-director of Internal Affairs, the Internal Affairs trilogy, uh, it's his first English-speaking film starring Richard Gere and Claire Danes. Okay, so, word. you know, I, I feel like my world is upside down, and it's going to get worse if you tell me that The Boondock Saints is not a religious movie. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Hold on a second. Is that who I think? Okay, no, that's not who I think it is. Kyle, what do you, what do you have in your hand there, Yeah, buddy? what are you drinking over there? Oh, I got steeple people because we're oh, talking about nice. religiosity over here and all those cardinals and popes who need to keep a lid on the fucking entrance to hell. Just, uh, I feel like it's just got to be multiple, right? Like they've got to like have sentinels elsewhere. They can't be the only apartment complex that's built over hell. Like, yeah, we, we watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer multiple <laughs> right. times. Come on, guys, we know yeah. that that series. We know there are Bloody more than no. there's more than one Hellmouth. Um, I'm drinking the blood of Christ. FYI. Yes. <laughs> Oh, Look, man. I'm saying you guys could have drank the same thing as last week because this movie is basically <laughs> the same plot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. 
Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. All right. Well, Kyle, you picked this bad boy. What What's your double feature going to be with this? So I'm actually, it's um, I'm picking a movie called The Seventh Victim which is a Val Luton produced movie about a, a woman who lives in an apartment complex where there's a cult that's involved um, in that complex. And uh, Is it the it's, same movie? Uh, yeah, it's, it's not the same movie. It's not so much like uh, over hell, but it's more about this like woman who is like deeply depressed and like conspiratorial, but mm. nobody really kind of like believes her. Um, Sounds like a complex movie about a complex. Yeah. That, wow. <laughs> It yeah, was you a, should have just a said nice... a complex movie and let Kyle figure it out because I, damn that was a good joke. I wouldn't have gotten there. Well, I might have, but I don't think I don't have a lot of confidence in myself right now. My brain is fried. Um, but that's my that's my double feature. It's it's much it's it's black and white. It's moodier, but like this these sort of like stories that happen in apartments where everybody has a characterization of themselves is pretty interesting to me because i don't know how or if you could kind of do that now you know i wonder i wonder what it would look like i feel like the closest you get is weirdly like a show like only murders in the building where like you slowly make because it's a show when you can do as many episodes as you want Mm -hmm. you can flesh out each tenant but like i think there's a reason why a movie like rosemary's baby is two hours long because you literally are taking time to make this character know every neighbor for the big ending for all right. of them to come together like it's right. it yeah it's it's tough to do in our i don't know we make three and a half hour movies on a regular now maybe you could do it <laughs> maybe, yeah, <laughs> or you, you can might. just make an eight hour movie and call it a tv show that's yes, that's true right. or my biggest pet peeve when they make a documentary and then release it in two 45 minute parts and call it a docu-series and i'm like just fucking release it as a movie <laughs> yeah. just, do it. it drives do me it. absolutely nuts all right scott what so, would your double feature be with this? If I was trying to save the night, I would go with Carnival save of Souls. The night. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because I love that movie. I would love yeah. to do that movie on the show. Um, I just don't know if it would really hit, you know? Like it's We could just, do the remake. No, we cannot do the remake, <laughs> Kyle. Kyle. Seriously. Says who? But it says says me, please don't. <laughs> Put me through that. Um, I don't want to watch because that. I will. I will accidentally watch the one from the sixties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then also, I would 
add to the flavor of the night with a quick intermission between them. I would watch Sentinel, I would have an intermission, and then I would watch Carnival of Souls. But between that, I would listen to Judas Priest's song from Defenders of the Faith from 1984 called The Sentinel. Because right. that song, I have wondered for years and years if it is very loosely based on the movie or the book. And rereading the lyrics today... Pretty sure nope. it's not. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not. <laughs> it's um, a nice intermission song, though. Yeah, yeah. Great. it's song fucking rips. Um, what about you, Matt? Uh, so this one's not. Usually, I feel like when I pick these, it's very on point with like a plot beat or something. This is more of a vibe, and the vibe that I'm thinking is like kind of slow. Occasionally, it'll give you moments like a nose being cut off to keep you enticed, but the real reason you're there is the third act, society. Uh, oh, would be yeah. my double oh, feature with this. Mm, yep. That's honestly, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like you it's gotta good. sit through a lot, but man, do you get the payoff finally after the after a long wait? Um, so Kyle, have you watched, read, listened to, done anything that you wanna wanna put yeah. on a pedestal? I got a few partials. Right. Um <laughs> one I think that I'm going to finish and talk about next next week. So what I what I'm started watching is Sex Life of College Girls. Uh, oh, I've heard top. good things, yeah. and it's it's so much fun. Um, like again, I mean, I told you numerous times on the show how bad I am at TV, and it will take me a long time to get to the end of this. But um, my wife Carly watched it with her friend Callie when they visit when she visits uh, our friends live in Waco, and so like we don't visit often, but like when there's an opportunity to go visit, uh, Carly will you know they'll catch up on shows that they text or talk about, right? Of course, yeah. Um, so last time That's they went down, they watched do. season two, and she came back and she was like, "Season two is so good. Like, I really, really want you to watch season one." And they are. I think like season one's great. Like, I'm, I'm maybe four or five episodes in. Really funny. Like, it's Mindy Kaling, which I think sometimes people get annoyed with. And I, yeah, think I don't like often, her. You know? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And I, I think mean, that Velma was a real, real whiff. But the, the thing. <laughs> oh, was that Mindy about, Kaling? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, bad. yeah, it was a real. It was a real strikeout. I think that I've like. <laughs> I think that Mindy Kaling has. But um, I like some of her stuff too. Like I don't. Right. But right. But, yeah. But I. I want it to like Velma. But I feel yeah. like Sex Lives of College Girls feels more of what I want Mindy Kaling it, to be doing. Right, well, <laughs> like, that's that's the thing is that like I feel like the comedy and the writing that Kaling does is great for that concept and content and it's just like i i just i'm having so much fun with it it does feel like a type of like college age thing that i can relate to you know like a lot of times like i mean i mean i know euphoria is high school and early but like it's also like that feels so out of any like, connected piece for yeah, you. yeah 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 well at the same like but at the same time like something like I mean, maybe it's just a gen, like maybe it's just a generational thing, because like then at the same time, like kids, even though that that's like really dark Ugh, and so like dark. yeah, and I can't but do I, kids, I, yeah. I no I, relate is not the right word, but I like I comprehend it more. Yes. if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. And like this, so this is like obviously this is light and fun, and like you know it's much more joyful. Um, but I relate to that more just in its, I don't know, just in its portrayal of of that age group. So I've been yeah. having fun with it. Nice. How about you, Scott? Um, I watched, uh, and I, I did post a non-spoilery comment about it, or po- I made a non-spoilery post about it on our uh, Facebook page, but um, I watched Kids vs. Aliens, which is the, um, 
I know you guys know, but I'll tell for listeners who do not know, it is the full-length version of the, um, what is it called, Alien Slumber Party uh, or something? Slumber Party abduction yeah. segment from VHS 2. Which is one of my favorite, probably, like, because it's just dumb fun in VHS 2. After, like, three or four very serious shorts it was I like forget oh this that it's is in stupid. vhs2 because I of the cult one, one which yeah, yeah. I, I always thought it was in one as well um because i if i ever go back to vhs2 i'm it's just watch the watching cult the cult yeah. one that's because yeah. it's the there there's no i mean yes i will watch every vhs that comes out because they're free on shutter um but I feel like every single one of them, there's usually one story. You're like, okay, that is the one saving grace, if any. In yeah, but I mean, the yeah. most recent one was god awful, and I hated yeah. everything about it. But um, nothing will ever touch the 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 the, the cult one from VHS yeah. two. But right. I did enjoy. I also don't think that it would work as a full length. So I hope that no one thinks that that's what I'm saying here. But it's also a really long short. In it's the like a good thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it, or or okay, twenty eight. You know, like it's yeah. it's long as fuck. Kids versus aliens is very fun. It's it kind of feels like a um a Halloween uh, a teen Halloween movie that kind of apes the fp and turbo kid a little bit okay um in in thematic elements as well as style um and a little bit of its it takes itself a little bit more seriously than something than like you know Psycho Gorman, you know, like it's right. not an uh, an Astro Seven, you know, Astro Seven. That's what they're called. Yeah, right? yeah. Astro, Astro Six. Six. Astro Six. I'm sorry, I, yeah. whatever. You know, I I don't One like them. Um, and I did not like Psycho Gorman, but I did. I mean, you know how much I love Turbo Kid, and so since it since Kids vs Aliens had a bit of that like hyper gory, but not so tongue in cheek tone. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my watch. It was it felt long. I think it was only like an hour and thirty five minutes, but it felt long um, mm. because there's only so much you can do with the premise. Yeah. But there are some absolutely fantastic moments in it when the kids get on the alien ship. Super mm. fucking great. Um, cool. But also, it takes a while to get going. There's a lot of exposition in the beginning with them kind of setting up the kids and. And and the anta- the human antagonist is so fucking unrealistic. I, I know, mm. but he's not like he's super unrealistic, but he's not cartoonish enough. So sure. that's oh, my sure. biggest criticism. I, that does not take away from the watch. I just mean that like sometimes there were parts where I was watching this. I'm like, I could fast forward. I I didn't, but I was like, I could fast forward and I'd be fine. But those were short, you know, like the scenes yeah. that I didn't love were short and then they were followed up by absolute ridiculousness that reminded me a lot of Turbo Kid. Um, not yeah. as as tongue in cheek as the FP, but that same kind of concept of like we're scrappy, we're trying to pay homage to 80s aesthetics and wrestling. But it's fun. Yeah. It's super fun. Yeah. Super fun movie. And the kids say fuck a lot. <laughs> we, we so love, much. We love should, to hear it. Yeah, we love yeah. to hear it. Um, yeah. I like I love Eisner. I I really like Eisner's stuff. I wouldn't like necessarily like pop him up there as like a f- you know, a filmmaker that I like will always seek out a, a new one, but if there's mm-hmm. like well, actually that's not true. I mean, even Dark Side of the Ring, like the series, like I was like, "Oh, I mean, Eisner made it what was interesting and fun to watch or else it would just be kind of a dry wrestling documentary series mm-hmm. um turbo kid obviously being in that ballpark too i mean like not everybody can kind of do that um 
and that's cool to hear about kids versus aliens because i even with even with turbo kid or even with hobo with a shotgun there's moments where i'm like oh okay like i don't i don't need this but like how often do we talk about those movies that he's paying homage to having those moments where we're like oh i don't need that (laughs) i I don't you know it's actually kind of on par it's almost a perfect mimic if that's the case um which i'll give Um, props to so i'm gonna i'm gonna rattle off a lot uh, but mostly be, <laughs> but mostly because like most of these, you? I don't have anything worth acknowledging. Uh, I oh, I okay. had like a, a Friday night where oh I was this is like, a grocery list. This yeah, this is like a grocery like a list. I had a Friday list. night okay. where I was like, all right, I'm just literally going to sit here and edit podcasts while I have some movies that I'm only semi interested in watching on in the background. Love those um, days. <laughs> so like, knock at the cabin, totally fine, perfect like mid tier M Night Shyamalan movie. Um, is it an M Night Shyamalan movie or is it? Or is it just in the style he produ- of he produced? No, he produced. Okay. He produced and I believe directed. Book. It. Yeah, yeah. Paul um, Tremblay, which is a great author, but I have not read that book. Ha- uh, ha- Matt, have yeah. you read it? No, because I, I need to know if it's worth watching. I, I kind of just want to read the book. You yeah, know? I mean, it's just sitting on Peacock. It's there if you have Peacock. That's true. Um, well, I do I, thanks to you. <laughs> uh, but keep it in the family. Uh, then I also watched Climax uh, based on a recommendation from somebody. Which, is that that dance movie? Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, only recommended if you are like a film like a film nerd because it's a very unpleasant watch, yep. but it's a movie that's built around a very intense 42 minute uncut tracking shot which is like 42 minutes. 42 minutes. It is wow. it is so impressive to watch. And it is so miserable what you're watching for the 42 <laughs> So it's like, I'm glad I watched it, but I will net, like, there is never going to be a chance that I ever even think Yo, about putting it on again. Fil- filmmakers suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the guy who did Irreversible. Like, it's what oh, you can expect oh, from his God, filmmaker no, style. No. Yeah. That makes total sense. And yep. total sense why I'm not fucking watching exactly. it. Um, watch Barbarian. Uh, finally, I, I really <laughs> put it off for a really long time. I... I wish that the movie was what I thought the movie was going to be the first 25 minutes. Like I was really into the the eeriness and creepiness that the movie set up and then like I it's probably of the 3 that I watched the only one that I was like I might watch this again just because I didn't know what it was watching it, so I was very disappointed when everything turned and I'm like maybe I'll like it more knowing what it actually is and just like accepting it for that. Um, but those are all very lukewarm things. The big thing I'm going to tell you is that hopefully by the time this is out, uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is on a streaming site because that movie fucking rolled. Like that movie <laughs> was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a D&D fan or not, it's just a great sword and sorcery, high fantasy, 80s throwback film with like incredible performances across the board. It's super funny. It's got great monsters. It's got great action sequences. You have me at great monsters. That, like it's just... It's fun. It's like there's no other words to say it. It's a fun movie. So definitely check that out. Uh, But a movie that maybe you want to check out, maybe, is The Sentinel. Because Happy birthday, Jezebel. (laughs) Jezebel's birthday. Celebrate your cat's birthday by putting on The Sentinel from 1977. Um, And we will be back next week with one of my picks. Uh, I'm going back into the Troma Well uh, and seeing what we can can pull out of that. I love how Kyle's shocked that this one's happening. (laughs) I had to to remember it. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned for that.
you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of Tacky and White and Nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 